freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space, leave that city far behind. Let me start. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for telling a friend. You hang out on the other side of texas a good edition of the program headed your way let me say that we are broadcasting not just from the studios that made buddy holly famous but from the racer car wash studios voted racer car wash voted lubbock's best wash for five years running stop into one of five convenient locations across the hub city for the best wash around guaranteed racerwash.com want to invite you to be a part of the program 806-745-5800 as we roll along here my wife mrs leeson the apolitical mrs leeson rolled into the living room last night and was surprised to see me watching television because i never watched primetime television much less primetime cable but there i was watching the reality show of the announcement for the Supreme Court of these United States. Brett Kavanaugh, as we predicted, via not just my own acumen, we looked at Vegas odds. We didn't listen to the ideologues on either side. We just looked at Vegas odds, and there was Kavanaugh. And I believe that's where we left it. Now, I want to make clear, before I tell you about my wife walking in, our youngest is Charlie Kavanaugh. And that decision is four years preceding this Supreme Court justice, so that there's no confusion there. And so I'm sitting there watching this, and she walks walks in and says, What are you doing? I said, Well, I'm watching the... This is one of the most historic events in recent history, this Supreme Court justice being named. And, and she said, Why? And I began to tell her, you know, this guy could be right of his predecessor and Kennedy and her eyes glazed over real fast and then she looked at the TV again and said oh that's Ashley Estes and I said where she said standing right there on the stage with those two little girls she said I went to high school with her and then in classic Mrs. Leeson apolitical mold says huh and walks out of the room and I'm looking at her saying really like you know this person and uh she did know that person and that's just there's nothing i can do that impresses her outside of the house i can write for uh, my name can get dropped uh, uh, i can be attributed in the new york times and she is much more impressed that i wash the dishes or that i did the laundry or otherwise <coughs> but brett kavanaugh last night uh picked by Donald Trump for the Supreme Court. This from the aforementioned New York Times. President Trump on Monday nominated Judge Brett M. Kavanaugh, a politically connected member of Washington's conservative legal establishment, to fill Justice Anthony M. Kennedy's seat on the Supreme Court, setting up an epic confirmation battle and potentially cementing the court's rightward tilt 
for a generation presenting Judge Kavanaugh at the White House and they forget even the New York Times can't be snarky enough to say in a reality TV primetime episode Mr. Trump described him as quote one of the finest and sharpest legal minds in our time and declared him a jurist who would set aside his political views and apply the Constitution quote as written now this is a program about the other side of texas and we like to stick with regional issues and i'm going to get to that here in just a moment but i am leading off with the supreme court uh justice decision here because it is a trickle down whether or not you ever bought into reagan trickle down economics there is such a thing as trickle down politics and everything in every state house across this land and not just in texas but beyond there's a temperament of what will be accepted what can we cross the line with given the existing court and that moderates a lot of law across a lot of this land now on the kavanaugh pick i think first of all i'm vindicated now let me say i voted for donald trump twice that's not me saying I will vote for Donald Trump twice. I voted for Donald Trump twice. Once in the primary and again in the general. Now, I was told at that time, and I took to the internet streets last night and got into some brawls, just out because I like to celebrate from time to time. All these people who told me I was not for Ted Cruz, therefore I was a flaming liberal, well, Ted Cruz would have gotten decimated by Hillary Clinton. And then last night, you're looking at like Ruth Bader Ginsburg too as a nominee so you guys can and there's just a few of you I know we've got a guest on a few you're really interested in listening to but I mean you in the meantime in the overlap you guys can stick it in your ear because I'm going to take my vow I sang in these very studios not like Buddy Holly but I sang a version of the Thunder Rolls and it was the Trumpster Rolls through the primary we'll try to find that audio and play that for you uh at some point but i was all on board because it wasn't the same old same old through the south oh we're gonna do something about taxes and this that and other it was trade deals are messed up and he's gonna go it was a whole new context and i thought that's great and i began to talk with producers that were in for trump because they felt like he was scaring china and the more i looked at it i said yeah i'm casting my vote march 1 2016 for donald trump and there he has now delivered two conservative justices now i say that with a caveat we have a good feel at this point where gorsuch is going it seems to me that we're going to have a conservative justice in kavanaugh but guess who thought the republican conservative republicans in the 80s thought that they were going to have a conservative justice in kennedy now some people say well well kennedy was conservative well on social issues he's certainly proven to be the swing vote over the last decade so i guess on the business industry front which you know i know enough alabama to know that uh 
the weeds were tall and Mr. Roosevelt was going to save it all. It's kind of where I stand on that economic front because I know the way that we work. So eh, I'm indifferent on that front. I don't think that Kennedy proved himself to be a conservative on the social front. Now, all that to lay out here in the beginning of this most talked about afternoon radio show program monologue is that I think that in this is going to make some people mad in the middle and to the left but i really do believe that a conservative court at this point in time is a good thing and especially socially and maybe you know i I can already see the the tweets flying about citizens united but i think a conservative court is a good thing because the country has changed at an unprecedented rate so far look i'm only 40 but holy like 2008 you had then nominee then candidate hillary clinton and then candidate barack obama you know what they are both opposed to gay marriage gay marriage now the law of the land and then we've heightened into these streaks of antifa and neo-nazis on the national level lgbt at one time was just the gay community now it's lgbt now it's lgbt plus now it's lgbt lgbt ia plus and there just has to be a moment for the country to sit sit back and to think one of the one of the most profound things i've read on this is rr reno uh, the editor of first things and he spoke about this in different terms with how trump was elected and he and he goes in after and starts with the middle class and says that the case for decline in high paying jobs for high school american uh high school educated americans stems from a lack of economic freedom that that's the case it's made and he says quite the contrary globalization which is a whole other front on the economy is the fruit of free trade and free movement of capital promoted by america for more than a generation and he says that it's the interests of Americans who thrive in the global economy diverge from the interests of the less educated who now must compete for low-wage jobs throughout the world. And then on top of that, there's a cultural assault that is compounded by those who've been left behind by globalization. Mitt Romney notoriously called them takers. The editor of the New York Times, the editors of the New York Times, retweeted routinely excuse me denounce them as racist and meanwhile both parties shouted hosannas to quote-unquote innovation and our political leaders make pilgrimage pilgrimages to silicon valley a surreal place with nothing less in common with the places where most americans live and work and he says at that time a couple of years ago i kicked myself for not for failing to see it sooner that america has disintegrated not racially though that too has flared up but economically and culturally there is no longer a large confident unifying middle class and i could go on but he goes into do we have borders or do we not and that there's a country that seems to be pitted against the marginalized now here's my argument this is a nuance wait for the semicolon i remember as a boy going to vote with my great-grandmother 
And what she would do is vote locally for Democrats. She would vote for Pete Laney. She would vote for Democratic nominees in Texas. And then on the federal level, she would go in and she would vote for conservative Republicans. And this is just a lesson from my ninny, Linda Owens, all these years later, that we can have what we need at the local level and then we can have she didn't say it this way but we can have a check and balance on the federal level with quote-unquote conservatives she didn't say it that way because in her view the people she was voting for the Delwyn Joneses and the Pete Laney's were conservatives but she felt like it was good to have those two things in contrast and I think a nation in the midst of transformation as best at this point guided by a conservative court especially given the ways that we are swinging culturally that's my take you got a different take 806-745-5800 again all you self-avowed hardcore rock-ribbed lubbock gop conservatives who are out there shooting six shooters last night like you want everything i just want to tell you you're welcome you're welcome from a pragmatic radio host somebody who likes to think these things through you're lucky that you didn't get ruth gate ruth rgb2 you're lucky you got kavanaugh you're welcome very much I'm gonna get in with and we have with us here on the show democratic nominee uh, nominee right yes sir yeah candidate for yeah. house district 83 drew landry how are you drew landry hey jay i'm i'm doing well thanks for having me on it's an honor to be here all right so um you were celebrating last night with kavanaugh winning <laughs> i uh was worried more about public education and our infrastructure and what the farmers are going okay. through and so and, you're going to uh, stick to health, the talking and health care than I was about Supreme Court okay. stuff. I mean, I know that was going on, and I saw it all going on in in the Twitterverse and the Facebooks. Yeah. But so let yeah. me tell you how one of the first stories I heard about you. Uh oh, is <laughs> there was a guy? I, this is the way that I was told the story. Drew uh, uh-huh. was uh, there was a guy. He tells me there was a guy who walked up to me today. It's the craziest thing I ever seen. This guy walked up to me, and he stuck his right hand out. He shook my hand, and I just, just out of habit, stuck my hand out, shook it, and as we were shaking hands, he said, um, he said, my name is Drew Landry. I'm running for House District 83, and then as you said to him, as a Democrat, in your left hand, immediately you put in his face your NRA <laughs> lifetime membership card. Is that customary? Is that story uh, mi- is that made up in myth or is that the way things go? I uh I I can't really remember doing that, but that's not not usually what the first thing that I do when I meet people around here. I I'll I'll tell them that, you know, my name is Drew Landrum and I'm for House District 83 and uh and then they'll ask me some questions and we'll talk about some things and then at the end they'll ask me, well, "Are you running as a republican or a democrat or what and i said well what's the right answer <laughs> and i said well the truth and well and i said well you know i'm running as a democrat and and then i said you're gonna beat me up and go oh, no 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 I said, so it's been a, a rather good uh response that 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 we've had with that but usually the whole issues that that we've talked about and and um haven't really revolved around those particular types of 
of uh, issues that that you just mentioned there. But you know, people are concerned about if their school is going to be there in the next year. They're concerned about this water situation that hasn't had any kind of solution or anything about it. They're concerned about how the rural areas can get broadband internet access and 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 how that's going to happen and how that can help out the small businesses and the farmers and getting people from point A to point B. Uh, they're concerned about their health care, and even those are even concerned about their first res- responders. So these are things that they want to talk to me about as 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 far as um, issues go, and that's what we've been talking about since last May. Yeah, so let's get into the platform in just a moment. But sure. first, for listeners who may not be aware of you, and let me lay out for listeners for just a moment, House District 83 in Texas starts at 19th Street. And then essentially goes down 19th to Indiana and then makes out a peace sign at the loop Mm -hmm. on the south side and then takes up everything outside Lubbock County and then essentially drops down uh, to the southwest three counties into the southeast three counties. So seven counties in total. That's right. And I think I'd have to go back and look at it, but the way I've registered it in my mind is that the thinking by the people who drew the maps with Tom DeLay was let's offset the Tech Terrace with six rural counties yeah. in hope that that the counties hold red. Yeah. That's essentially how it's drawn. So right. tell me a little bit about, tell listeners a little bit about your bio, where you come from, sure. what you do, and how you got involved in this thing. Sure. Well, I'm originally from southwest Indiana. And I grew up around cornfields and soybeans, and so agriculture has always been around where I've been. Um, I moved down here six years ago, almost to the day, uh, to teach at South Plains College. And so I've been at SPC teaching government now for the past, well, six years, for the past, I don't know, 20-some-odd semesters that I've been doing it. So uh, this is something that I've been interested in since I was about five years old, and... and, uh, Honestly, and you might hear this from other politicians, is that you know they often will tell you that they don't want to get involved, and then something calls them to it. I mean, I had no intention of ever wanting to run for office down here. I wanted to just do my job at SPC, pay my taxes, vote, and go home, and let that be the end of it. And I, you know, but so what got me into it was the more I started looking into public education because that's been my passion. That's what I've. That's what my first uh, degree was in and that's what I do Um, in examining how the cuts have been made since 2011 and even further and further and further percentage wise to this particular issue it's rather stunning and so I kept asking a lot of questions to to students as they would ask me you know what do I need to know for exams I said well that was a really puzzling question because I would say well you need to know everything and so (laughs) Um, then they, well, what specifically? I said, well, what did we talk about? So I had to look into why this was happening. Came came back to being the standardized e- exams, which was being pushed by and pushed and pushed. And I thought, well, this is the problem. So who's going to stand up to this? Who's going to do anything about this? So I kept asking all these questions that people just, didn't, well, no one's going to do it. No one, you know, it's just the way that it is. So I got a big, a bit of a push from um, a former Lubbock County chair said, you know what, you should consider running for it. I said, okay, I'll consider it. And then I just jumped into it. And, uh, you know, I, in the last May, you know, May 13th of 2017 was when I kicked off the campaign. It's when we started to 
uh, really get into a lot of issues that the so you've been do- at this for over a year now 14 months that that's correct and so we've been in several times and you know from shallow water down to Westbrook uh, from uh, Idaho down to uh, down to Ackerley we've been here there and everywhere and talking to people about what they care about mm-hmm. and uh, you know we've been listening to what they have to say and they've been shocked by that so even those who live in Gale you know in in Borden County which for those of you who, who have no idea about Borden County it's about 500 people the entire county so <laughs> when I go down there you know I can talk to you know uh, County Judge uh, Sharp uh, you stop in at the Coyote Country Store and you talk to uh, Becky and uh, Brenda and Rita and you say you know what's going on how are you and I stop in there they know me by name um, talk to the New Deal firefighters they know me by name um, talk to a whole lot of superintendents around here they know me by name so this has taken some time to develop this it's been worth it and uh, you know you stop at the co-ops you know we'll have good conversations there at that at the cottages because this is a heavily agricultural area that care about the public schools who are concerned about other aspects that has been quite ignored by the legislature and its representation for some time so what would be easy here drew landry would be for me to get into the scoffing you off as a democrat thing yeah but surely as i mentioned with that intro story you've gotten some scoff is is it your strategy then to fight past that with relationship it kind of well and i want to say that it's Beto o'rourke's model but you know if you've been traveling and making these miles since may 2017 mm-hmm. then maybe maybe Beto o'rourke's following your <laughs> pattern i don't know or maybe it's just something that everybody comes to and says if, if there's misconceptions the best way to overcome misconceptions is eye to eye that was one of the things that we thought about and one of the things that we really thought well you know we're going to have a hurdle here by having the d next to our name one way that we can really get around that is by talking to people that was mm-hmm. that, that was definitely one you know a part at, at the very beginning the other part was that you know when looking at the district mathematically what you could say is i could forget about colorado city forget about Seminole and just focused on Lubbock and just Lubbock and so whenever we realize that you know hey you know we can go to other counties and 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 introduce myself to Republican County judges and they meet with me and then they realize that someone really cares what I have to say this hasn't happened in forever and so that has been part of it too because there's a, a, a great bit of the of the district that just feels largely ignored Hmm. and we looked at that and we we didn't really know how much of a thing that was but once we got into it we realized this we've opened up a bit of a hornet's nest here because it's never really been this way no and so once we've talked to people and and he and you know we thought we were just going to get kicked out a lot of county judges and 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 county uh courthouses but that's not been the case yeah well and to be fair listeners know that whenever it comes to municipalities and counties in texas right now versus the existing power structure in austin mm-hmm. the, it things can get uh i won't call it purple as much as i'll call it not red not blue but red white and blue <laughs> and uh that's how things roll yeah. i, I want to get more into your platform here in just a second sure. we're going to carry you into the next break if you're good for that sure 
you don't need to get down to Gale or Borden County. You, you stay no. around here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm good. <laughs> Drew Landry, uh, I see the t- Clinton would have beaten Cruz in 2016. Absolutely, 100%. 100% Ted Cruz would have gotten beat. 100%. And I don't want to take up Landry's time going through that. But, yeah, Ted Cruz would have fallen on his face harder than he fell on his face against Donald Trump. Checking the text line. What I like about Drew is that he discusses issues relevant to the office he is running for. Other Dems just go with DNC talking points on mm. national issues. I've learned quite a bit in my discussions with him on public education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that does, and listen, I can sit here and do this. You can respond if you want to, and then we can get into an argument or otherwise. But I think that that's one notable notable difference is that lots of guys are getting caught up on a lot of different things, lots of candidates on the Mm -hmm. D side. And I shouldn't say guys, guys and gals Mm -hmm. on the D side, but you stuck with issues that are uh, central to your district in a lot of views. Not gone after red meat on the left or right side. No, but yeah. Stuck with, with talking points. Tell me You're this. Right. Uh, you arrived at South Plains six years ago, South Plains mm-hmm. College. That's correct. And that uh, you were educated where? I got my Bachelor's of Science in um, in Social Studies Education from the University of Evansville. And I got my Master of Arts in Political Science from the University of Rhode Island. Okay. So lived up in the Northeast. Well, I did. Well, we got to do a little bit of geography here. I, I I grew up in the Midwest, and I did my I got my master's degree in the Northeast. Okay. I, a whole grand of two years. All right. So, yeah. so um, let's go through some platform stuff. Mm-hmm. Tell me, number one, what. Uh, what distinguishes you from your Republican incumbent opponent? Who, by the way, for you guys listening, uh, Landry, Drew Landry, reached out to me. You're welcome to access that same time. I'm not held by FCC to go out and offer you because uh, Landry has been persistent about being on the show. So that little disclaimer there. But the distinguishing marker between you and your opponent, uh, House District 83 uh, incumbent Republican Dustin Burroughs. Well, um, first of all, thank you for the kind word saying I'm persistent, and, and you could have said annoying, but persistent, I like that. Uh, but one of the biggest key features is that you know where I stand on issues, and I'm, I'm, I'm consistent. I couldn't tell you one thing about what my opponent stands for other than the fact he's a Republican, and that's it. I mean, he... I, I I don't know. I don't know I don't know what he cares about. I don't know what he wants to do. Um I think he cares more about what Dan Patrick wants to do than what District eighty three wants to do, wants to do. In what regard? In regards to social issues, in regard to water situations, in regard to even having a similar um, issues on and agreeing on public education in, in some regard. They're endorsed by a lot of the, of the same areas. Um, you know, there's an empowered Texans tie to both of them, so there's this 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 thing about them that I don't really think that they care about the people of District 83. And um, the more that we 
you know, learn about him, and the more that we look at his voting record, we I, we just have to look at this and say, is is infrastructure and health care really part of what he wants to do? Is public education and the agricultural aspects, is that really what he, he's, he's about? Does he really care about first responders, or does he just want to make them political red meat like he did a couple weeks ago? Um, How? Well, what do you mean by that? Well, he, you say that he made first responders red meat yeah a couple of weeks ago yeah how well that well you when you look at the editorial that the aj did of the of the uh, police officer and the and the kid um you know he stands up oh the edi- i care okay, about them okay tell me out, tell yeah, me yeah. so you're talking about the editorial cartoon that the the avalanche journal mm-hmm. ran and the globe new amarillo globe news yeah. ran of the white police officer shooting a african-american child presumably that's what it looks like right right right. and said meanwhile away from the border and i'm paraphrasing uh families are still being separated from their children yeah so you say he stood up against a cartoon out of political convenience that was exactly the whole thing there's no ends or buts about that and because if you look at his voting record why has he done nothing about teflon coated bullets because the federal aspects about those are also known as cop killer bullets. It, it, there's only a federal ban, but it's about as small as ever, and eight other states have done something ab- about that. Where is he on their ability to uh, associate? And he's trying to make it harder for him. And he actually celebrated the, the Janus uh, Supreme Court case. That's one case that we'll talk about here. And he made a big Facebook post about how all oh, this is great for you know being right to work, and, and, not, and, and he, he's against their ability to rightfully associate. He actually voted again several times for other first responders like firefighters to uh, change their pensions from defined benefits to undefined benefits. So if he's that concerned about first responders, why does his voting record lack so much on that? Okay. And, and, but also bear this in mind, um, you know, he's now been elected to being the vice chair of the House Republican Caucus. That's good for him, great. But when you look at the Republican Party platform, of th- that they adopted this past time, one of the big planks in there is is, is school vouchers, and he's made some sort of a, a uh, speak about how he's against that, or he voted. Well, no, what he says is I voted against it. Doesn't really say he's opposed to it, or he may support it. But now that he's got this party title, don't you feel he's going to be more in- inclined to toe the party line and do what's best for District eight- eighty-three? Well, I can't you know, speak to what I presume him to say, but the, what what I will say as somebody who watches these things closely, you know, we did a show a couple of weeks ago about, mm-hmm. or last week about rural hospital closings. Yeah. And I don't care where you are, and if you aren't here, then you're you've lost it. Yeah. But uh, for me, Medicaid reimbursement rates diminish by the state and you can get in the same argument on property taxes yeah. and residential properties assuming the brunt of of spending towards public education but it's it's on issues like that where i don't hear and to be fair that i live in house district 83 mm-hmm. i do not hear a conversation and i'm about to ask you some hard questions too but i'm sure. laying out this rhetorical yeah. here because I don't believe it's going to be answered. But um, rather than address 
Medicaid reimbursement rates at the state and stand up against the party to do what's right for a region, what I hear is some stuff that, quite frankly, Congressman Jody Arrington should be taking up about pharmaceuticals Mm -hmm. and the rates and costs of pharmaceuticals. And it just seems to me like dodging. Mm -hmm. It's dodging the issue. It's not addressing the closing. You know, we did uh, Stanford, which is not in 83, but Stanford's the latest closing. I believe there are 61 rural hospitals left across the state. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm a little sympathetic whenever you begin to talk about talking around issues. Yeah. I mean, we also have to understand going to to what you said there is that, you know, not far from here in La Mesa, you know, they can't do OBGYN. They can't do uh, uh, births anymore. Mm -hmm. And so if you're, you know, several months expecting and you have to drive to either Schneider or, or to Lubbock to, to see this and you're driving on bumpy roads, that puts the mother and that child in, in danger. And that's not good for the pregnancy. So um, that's, a, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But, but you have to understand here, there's a whole lot of, of, of layers when it comes to you know, this, this rural area that doesn't really get a lot of conversation about it. But, but you know, when we look at, at, at the tail of the tape, you know, I'm not beholden to anybody. I'm not beholden to, to, to empower Texans. I'm not beholden to Dan Patrick. Um, I'm beholden to the district. I'm beholden to the people. And when it comes to public education, there's not going to be anyone more fighting for that than, than myself. Okay, so let's talk about that for just a second. Sure. A Democratic nominee for House District 83, Drew Landry, in with us. You call us, you get your time, and so here he is, and here we are. <laughs> uh, tell me, how do you plan to, for the education initiatives that you've laid out mm-hmm. in platform, yeah. how does that get paid for, and does it involve a state income tax? Great question. Here's how we pay for it. Um, immigration is a federal issue. This administration has taken the lead on it, which they should have a long time ago. Not just this president, but past presidents have should have taken the lead on that. What we can do is we've spent about $800 million on that on our own. Federal government, you're going to do that? Great. That's $800 million we can now spend on other things, particularly when it comes to public education. But will that foot the bill on what you're seeking to do? I've got more things to say. I've got, I've okay. got, more, I've got more ways where I found money. Um, we get rid of the... We uh, uh, get rid of, of our contract with ETS. We end this standardized exam process. ETS is? That's the company that, that produces and makes and grades all the standardized exams. It used to be Pearson, and, but, but we sold their, but they got the contract and now. And what's that e- contract? ETS. That's contract for $300 million, and they got about uh, three, four more years. And so we no longer e- e- extend that. We say we're going to do it on our own. We're going to let local control ha- handle that. That's so. I that's one point one billion dollars that I okay, found for you. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. Listen, I'm not into fuzzy math. There's still you cannot put a you cannot put a mandate on local school districts and not fund it. So there's going right. to have to be an evaluation of some kind. So are you going yeah. to put a hundred million back out, hundred and fifty million back out for them to run their own testing for ETS? To replace it, essentially. I don't think we need to replace a standardized exam with a standardized exam. I think the localities localities can say, this is what we need the money for. Here's what we're going to measure, whether it's performance, uh, I'm sorry, proficiency or or growth, which I hope they tend to be on on the growth side, and they will explain why they need the money 
and what they have done so, for these things. But my point is that you can't just walk away and say, now we're at 1.1, 1.1 million, because you're going to have to billion, put money yeah. into the kitty. Yeah, 1.1 billion, yeah. excuse me. Sure. Because you, you're going to have to put money back into the kitty to help them, enable them to run whatever measurements they want to. Does that make sense? So maybe maybe we're at a billion right now because you got to put a you got to put 100 million back in to the districts to allow them to run their own thing. Well, that's that comes with that this is all the okay. it, it goes all in here. Okay. So, um next thing is um this uh, act that 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 was signed in by by Governor Bush was equity and and uniform, which allowed property uh home homeowners to say, "Hey, look, my neighbor has a lower property tax. I've been appraised at a higher rate. I'd like to get and I'd like to prove that, you know, that he's at a at a lower rate than me, and therefore your property taxes would then be appraised less, and you would be paying less. What's happened with that is that large corporations who have lawyers are able to do the exact same thing. So what I'd like to do is close that loophole and say, nope, those large corporations can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think the last um, estimate of that was about five or six billion dollars with a B. So we just found anywhere between six to seven billion dollars to put into public education, so that and and they can do their own own assessing there. And so there's there's a stopgap. That is a tremendously large stopgap where we can put into public education, where we can lower property taxes in 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 the real way, and that will give us some time to see what the education committee, or um, I'm sorry, the finance committee, that they released today some findings as to what they were what they've been working on. And see what you know if if that's going to be applicable. Okay. So so we got a few more minutes with you. Here. Sure. Um, going to try to take a break here in the next four minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Tell me where this is going to become the issue. And I've talked with Ross Ramsey about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow we'll talk about this. And uh, Scott Braddock. A yeah. lot of people believe that now Kavanaugh, even though in that monologue I said it's hard to tell where he's going to land, but presumably justice kavanaugh is going to be more open to at minimum letting states decide on the abortion issue Mm. so tell listeners like we've we've had this nice talk about what's important here but yeah i I think you've seen the polls on how important pro-life is in this region where do you stand on the issue right i mean this is where we are on this i'm pro-life except for instances of rape incest or the life of the mother is in danger um and i've seen uh, a lot of instances take place here where women have 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 told me with pain in their eyes that they had to make the most difficult choice either they had to live or they had uh, uh to give birth and then die and so I would never want to be in that situation, but you know, really, whenever we look at the economics of this, the best way to stop abortions is to make it economically unfeasible. And what that, and, and what I mean by that, is we lift all boats, and that includes women, to, so that they don't have to um, feel the need that this unwanted or unplanned pregnancy that they cannot have, and they cannot financially support. So we have to include everybody in our economic dreams and in our economic uh, uh, platforms so that even they can um, so that these uh, this e- economic platform can essentially make abortion um, uh, unfeasible because my reading of it is 
as a pro-lifer and that that's what really gets my goat about all of this is that i'm a high support and high challenge guy and Mm -hmm. i should reverse those and say high challenge high support Mm -hmm. if you understand the issue and you've worked in pro-life causes like i have you understand that the great majority of abortions happen within lower socioeconomic demographics. Mm -hmm. It's not just suburban mom who got knocked up and doesn't want the pregnancy. This this happens closer into urban centers and, you know, even out in rural counties, et cetera. Um, So I think that I can... So, But you just said you're a pro-life Democrat. Pro-life is, for instance, of rape, incest, or the life of the mother is in danger, yeah. But I think that that would be what a, pro, a lot of pro-life Republicans would, you know, well, out of the George W. vein. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, vein. I don't think Dan Patrick or or Stickland or anybody who's even relatively close to the House Freedom Caucus or even our state senator or any of those particular people would even make those exceptions anymore. No. Okay, so about a minute left here. Mm-hmm. Give us, give us a pitch of uh, Drew Landry's. Candidates. <laughs> well, look, you know, um, uh, my website is LandryForWestTX.com. You can follow me on uh, on, on Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram at LandryForWestTX. I'm even on the Snapchat. You can find me on there too. Same username. But look, push comes to shove. This is what this campaign's about. It's what it's always been about: is public education, lowering your property taxes. All right, standing up for our 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 health care. Um, having a good um, uh, plan for our our, our first responders, um, you know, helping out with our I- infrastructure so that the rural areas can be as competitive as they can ever be. Uh, we have to be able to make sure that our farmers who want to have the wind turbines and the solar panels on their farms, we have to make that available to them. So uh, this is where the fight is. And public education, as we have found, is a top issue for those in in west texas they want their property taxes lowered and and what we have to do is and the math is just simply there we you know funding education is is exactly um, uh, the 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 key to really get there so i'm the only one in this race who understands that i'm the only one in this race who's been consistent about it um, you may not like where I stand, but at least you know where I stand on, on, on these issues. And so we need a consistent, common-sense leader in this area, and I'm the only one in this race who, who, who's offering that. Drew Landry, thank you for your time. Hey, Thanks I for appreciate coming yours. In. Thank you, Jay. We're uh, always glad to have candidates in, and we'll see how this goes along yeah. into the through the hottest part of the summer and then into the fall stick with this my understanding is that we've got donald trump on the cell phone oh right after the but plenty in the news last night glad now to bring you uh the president donald trump on the cell phone uh getting in with him as as we're able here hold on just a second let me make sure we got... no. Mr. President, a big night last night. How you feeling? Mr. President, are you there? Hello? Hello? Mr. President, are you busy? Are you tweeting? What's going on? Mr. President, uh, we'll... We'll try this. Maybe maybe we can reschedule. Uh, Hope Hicks. Hello. If you, hello, are you there? 
Okay. Maybe maybe he's upset about my monologue. Um, have to check that out. Uh, Yo, know, I wanted to push out of some local issues and talk about uh, Tommy Lauren. I do think that one, my major read over these this last week, at least uh, 12, 12 days ago, when uh, uh, Justice Kennedy stepped down, is that we face right now... Uh, you can see his opportunity, you see his adversity, but I've, and I've, I've talked about this extensively, but the abortion issue has new life. The pro-life um, flank has new life with Kavanaugh, and it's going to be a very difficult time for people like Tommy Lauren, who are like 23 and a half years old, and have been speaking on platforms, but are pro-choice, and want to appeal to a conservative audience. And I don't know if you've seen Tommy Lauren or not. If you've seen her, you're you're probably impressed. Uh, but that's part of her appeal. And I just I think it's so goofy that I see Tommy Lauren saying we win, we as conservatives win whenever we stay out of social issues. And you know she's taken on the likes of Ben Shapiro and the whole crowd. But you know. Did I see Tommy Lauren tweet a picture of Colin Kaepernick in a U-boat kneeling? I think I did. Maybe that was somebody else. But that's certainly a social issue. Blasting rappers like Kanye West. Social issue. Uh, are guns... Just help me out. Is Would you consider guns to be a social issue? I believe you could. Where we're talking about open carry. And uh, how that's going to impinge on or infringe on society. And so I just look at the merits of that. It's going to be people like Lauren who are going to have a very difficult time in this brave new political world in which we stand. And you know, I'm, I'm your prairie populist. I'm here talking about the issues, taking them on. Uh, but, you know, Tommy Lauren is respectful in her own right is to be respected in her own right but now she's out of her depth in this brave new political world that we're in again once again i want to thank you uh, for tuning in and i want again to tell all you uh, guys who went in with Cruz or whoever else in the primary you're welcome you're welcome very much that uh, we were on the forefronts of this brave new political world right here in these studios for drew landry and uh the president i I thought that president trump on the cell phone had a cell phone that worked and we'll try to work through all of that um, and get you the president in the days to come the president on a cell phone which is a way of me saying total and complete parody uh jay west texas leeson gonna go home gonna get home Great family, above average dinner, waiting on me. I hope the same is true for you. Maybe you have a great dinner as well as a great family. We are thankful for what we have, aren't we? Uh, Be right back with you tomorrow here on the program where you're going to hear from Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. New polls out, a Breitbart poll shows... Mike Collier down two points to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. You want to talk a brave new world. Those numbers hold up. 
in a collier as elected lieutenant governor could change everything about tech you think strauss stepping down speaker strauss stepping down from the house is a big deal well hold hold tex ledges beer and watch this sign it off appreciate you tuning in this will all be up on our podcast thank you for subscribing and for your ratings there so we'll see you again tomorrow right here from the studios where Buddy Holly became famous. Shipwreck on the mountain, rubbernecking on the outlaw. It's who we want to be.